0: Welcome to Ho in the Know, a podcast about sex work by sex workers for sex workers. I'm so utterly alone, Selena. So utterly alone. It has been over a month at this point since the quarantine began and my club shut down um, for however long this will go on and I'm living off of savings. And honestly, I'm a little hesitant to file for unemployment because my club is very shady And they don't keep us on any of the books, so I would have to file and then I would get rejected and then I would have to dispute it and claim that I was like a misclassified employee and then they would go digging into my club, which could fuck up my club. But in the meantime, I'm not making any money and I know that most of my stripper sisters and brothers are not making money either and they thems. So anyway, it's kind of hard to imagine when clubs will reopen. If they reopen this year, like, will it be, will we be able to work during the summertime? Who fucking knows? So at some point, I will probably have to capitulate and file for some kind of government assistance. And I don't even know what that will look like. Are run strikes inevitable? What will May first look like? It's so hard to not be completely overwhelmed in this situation, but you know what? This podcast isn't about coronavirus or the effects of the pandemic, no. It's about sex workers being up to all kinds of history-making shit. So, without further ado... We begin every episode with a segment we call Historical Hoes. And this week's historical hoe is La Paiva, also known as Esther Lochman. I got my info from an article in BBC um, called La Paiva, 19th Century Paris Celebrity po- Prostitute, a um, the Whores of your Timeline. There's an article in Messiness Chic uh, titled, The Last Palace of the Champs-Élysées, A Courtesan's Secret Alcazar. And then, of course, uh, Wikipedia, as always. So, Esther Lochman was born May 7th, 1819, big Taurus energy for everyone paying attention, in Moscow. Her father was a weaver, which speaks to me as someone who paid over $160,000 to learn to be a fiber artist, for what's that's worth. Her parents were Polish Jews, which even at that time was a reason for discrimination. At 17, she got married for the first time and gave birth through her very own vaginal canal to a whole-ass baby, but she wasn't cut out for the life of child-rearing. She dipped out and traveled to Europe, changed her name to Therese, as one does when you need to get away from your offspring as a liberated 17-year-old. She wound up in Paris, where she was determined to become the Kardashian equivalent of her time. She wanted to be the baddest, the richest, the banginest of all the ballers, uh, which all us good hoes aspire to do, honestly. Um, But she had come from poverty in Russia, so she knew she would have to fuck her way to the top. She crashed at a cheap hotel with other sex workers where she partied and turned tricks and saved her money by not eating, as we do, and put all of her savings into curating the jewels and wardrobe necessary to look the part of a noblewoman so that she could ensnare some poor Mark into footing the bill for her ticket into the high life. She started an affair with Henri Hoers, a moderate wealthy pianist first, he put her up in his apartment and decorated her in jewels, as he should have. But Thérèse had standards and very expensive taste. Her spending habits created a strain on the hers financial situation, so Henri went to America to make more money. And his family began to conspire to find ways to kick Thérèse out of the house, so was kind of like over it. She was pawning off her jewels. She wasn't especially healthy at that moment. And instead of failing, she decided to make a bold, abrupt move to London where she was immediately successful. She continued living her rich bitch life, going to socialite events, banging rich guys, living the life at places called royal yada yada or the imperial blah, blah, very fancy. It was one of those. It was at one of those bougie hangouts that she seduced Portuguese Marquis Albino Francesco Araju Gipaiva. They married, and Albino gave Thérèse the second greatest gift she would ever receive, that being a title. Meanwhile, the eighteen forty-eight French Revolution ended uh, France and created the perfect situation for Therese to return to her new uh, return to France with her new title. Um, so there were like a number of revolutions going on this was one of the revolution. I think it's like the February revolution, the January revolution. It was a month and then a revolution. So clearly I'm very knowledgeable. Anyway, she was now Madame de Paiva. de Paiva and finally. And the day after her marriage, she divorced that guy. Poor Albino. She wrote him a very touching parting letter. You have obtained the object of your desire and have succeeded in making me your wife, she wrote. I, on the other hand, have acquired your name. And we can cry quits. I have acted my part honestly, without disguise, and the position I aspired to, I have gained. But as for you, Moles de Paiva... You are saddled with a wife of foulest repute whom you can introduce to no society for no one will receive her. Let us part. Go back to your country. I have your name and I will stay where I am. Period. So to summarize, she was like, you can go back to Portugal and I'm going to stay here and remain a whore. Oh, life. Right. Am I Right. Uh, what's cooler than being cool? Ice fucking cold. But the story sadly didn't end there. Albino returned to Portugal and committed suicide. Um, Belated trigger warning for that. Of course, it's hard to tell if any of this info made it back to Therese because from her actions, she seemed entirely undeterred by this bit of tragedy. She had a golden opportunity to hoe to her fullest ability now. She was a courtesan with a title. And she was successfully fucking her way to the top, as I mentioned earlier. Rumor has it, she once seduced a man by offering him her body for the length of time it took to burn 10,000 francs in the fireplace. You know what? That's pretty fire. (laughs) Oh god, my puns. Call me if you want a dad. I'm a dad. Anyway, finally, she hooked her whale. Count Guido, George Friedrich, Ermann, Heinrich, Aldebracht Count Henkel von Donnersmark, or Count Guido Henkel von Donnersmark for short. Uh, He was one of the wealthiest men in Europe. She was his princess, and he spoiled her accordingly. He bought her a private hotel on the Champs-Elysees. Rumor has it that she wanted a place on the avenue de Champs-Elysees because somebody, uh, like one of her tricks, had thrown her out of a carriage onto the street there. And she was like, I'm going to own the biggest, best, fanciest fucking place on this street right here. And so then she did. Named Hotel de la Paiva or de la Paiva. I don't know. Uh, No expense was spared, and the French were obviously too snooty for her expensive tastes, as they tend to be. A mural with her likeness depicted as a goddess chasing away the night decorated the ceiling in the receiving room. The staircase and her personal tub were made of solid yellow onyx. Apparently, she bathed in milk, champagne, or lime blossom. Uh, exclusively. And there were like three different faucets for those three things. And apparently the tub does have three different faucets, but I, I don't know if this is true, but you know what? I'm going to believe it. I'm going to believe it. I believe in something in these trying times. Anyway, all of this still exists as a standing hotel for the, it's, I think it's called like the Traveler's Club Hotel uh, in Paris, if you're ever interested in blowing a lot of money to stay in Paris in a hotel where you can smoke inside the building, which honestly is not that appealing to me, but you know, history and, um, exploring, uh, you should do like a hoe trip, honestly, like a a historical hoe trip. Add it to the list guys, add it to the list. Anyway, so she hosted lavish parties to show off her wealth because I mean, once you make it to the top, you have to flaunt it clearly. I mean, she went from Russian poverty to living one of the most opulent realities of that time. And sure, she had a lot of haters. But as that wife beater Chris Brown once said, I don't see how you can hate from outside the club. You can't even get in. Ha ha ha. Lego. Plus, everyone wants to hate on a successful hoe. There's nothing worse to people who live boring lives and follow all the rules than a successful hoe hoeing her way to the top. Anyway, the political tide began to change once again, turning against them. So a combination of xenophobia, anti-Semitism, and Germanophobia caused by the Franco-Prussian War led the couple to migrate to Poland, where they lived together in a giant mansion until 1894 when Therese passed away. Her widower was utterly destroyed by her passing, so much so that he refused to bury her. Instead, He embalmed her corpse in alcohol and stored her in his attic for months, visiting her to cry. Uh, He even remarried and didn't tell his new wife about the corpse in the attic. I like to think of it as a gentle lie. Except that one day the wife discovered the body, and uh, that's kind of hard to explain. And that is the incredible life of Therese Lepaive, this week's historical ho.
1: How many different places have you worked at?
0: Probably like six different places. Wow. it's just like a handful. It wasn't that many, and um, part of it was just like hopping around to find what club is a good fit for me as mm-hmm. a person and bodily, like where I fit in the best. I mean, I which think, is a big thing. Yeah, it's kind of like how you're saying with the big boobs upstairs. It's like it's like dope, but you know, if the clientele is all coming there to find big boobs like big fake boobs or big real boobs and you're not that person then you're just not going to get that kind of patronage yeah they're like they're like attracting the wrong customer for you
1: yeah you have to get really logical as a stripper because there's so much that you could potentially take personally you just can't afford to let it get to you and I feel like it's made me such a stronger more like self-loving and secure person for that reason Because you just, like, you have no choice but to support yourself, like, in such a devoted, intense way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I and mean, then do you find guys who, like, things about your body you never really acknowledged or really liked before? I, I love being worshipped. and I, yeah, And okay. it's just so great when they worship me for being perfect. Like, that's <laughs> 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 the feedback. And, like, if they're in love with me, not every guy thinks that I'm perfect, but... I've yeah. definitely, I definitely experience it often enough that it has affected me deeply, because, sorry, I put my hand in. My mouth.
0: Yeah, you're fine, um, you're fine.
1: Not everyone gets told that, and it, it makes, it, it just makes a big difference. Like I can tell in myself.
0: Totally. I mean, how has dancing affected your relationship with your body and sense of attractiveness, and also kind of like your relationship with other women's bodies?
1: It's but done nothing but elevate it. I am a competitive person, but I do feel like I have a healthy amount of competitive nature and that not looking to like trample on anyone or destroy anyone. I just want to be pushed to be my best. And seeing what other women can do definitely motivates me. I have very high expectations of myself, probably too high and probably unrealistic. Because, I, like, I want to be perfect, so just I yeah, really yeah, enjoy yeah, hearing yeah. it so much. Yeah. <laughs> it validates the reality I will never actually experience. But I definitely... Like, I don't get jealous of other women, I would say. So I, I do feel like, yeah, it's been nothing but positive. I think it
0: is kind of like an industry where you have to, like, let go of a lot of the jealousy for other women. And yeah. that you just... Because especially working in big cities like this there are like the most gorgeous fucking women yeah <laughs> and you're like working alongside them and you have to be like oh like i'm with them
1: yeah it's shocking <laughs> and it's hard to see yourself on the same in the same way that you see other people almost impossible but that's definitely like you have to you have to check yourself a lot and you have to hold yourself accountable to love yourself in a very determined way yeah, I think so. To be and, um, very like disciplined about loving yourself.
0: Disciplined about loving yourself and also disciplined about internalizing your self-worth instead of like just accepting external affirmations of it. Yeah. Because with as many affirmations as you get, you get just as many just really bad comments or or um dismissals. Or rejections.
1: Yeah, I get rejected so often. Or have There was one night where I got rejected probably 75 times. I didn't get a single dance. I just, yeah. it was just <laughs> no after no the entire night. And I, and I went home. That was
0: and it's day. crazy. It's like, you know, it's like gorgeous, gorgeous people. Like you're a gorgeous girl. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with anything like that.
1: It's oh, sorry. I didn't know you were. Wait, we. I said yeah, but I meant. Thank but you, you are. You are. <laughs> thank you.
0: But yeah, it's like you know, so I'm done. it's like you know, you we are beautiful women, and we get a lot of rejections. And if you have a night full of rejections, it's not even a measure of how hot you are that night or anything. It could be any number of factors. It could be that maybe the group of guys that came in are not your type. It could be that people are sensing like something like. Maybe you're sad or your mood is a little off.
1: Yeah. It could just not be your night. (laughs) Yeah, I've had to get really serious about how often I go. Because again, high expectations. I want to pressure myself to do the most, to be the best, to do everything I possibly can. But I can't. I have a lot of limitations. And so not feeling great all the time is one of them. And just knowing when to like sacrifice the opportunity to make money for just like having a peaceful night and deciding that I don't feel good enough emotionally to work
0: yeah that's so important it's just knowing that you can take a day off and that that's like one of the biggest draws to the industry is that you can take time off yeah like you can care for your health and if you have a day where you go in and you suddenly just are not feeling it like you don't have to feel it. Yeah. Are you able to, like, call out pretty easily? Like, say you're on the schedule for one day and you're like, I just can't today. Can you just be like, hey, I'm not coming in. Like, give them a ring.
1: Yeah, because there's no schedule. We don't have shifts. So there, there's so many women going to the club pretty much every night that it just, it doesn't matter. And they have, the uh, the other place that I danced at was way more strict about it. It was way smaller and there were a lot less girls. He was also very manipulative and controlling, so that was another aspect of it. But with this place, it it doesn't matter because there's just so many women.
0: How many women work at your club on a given night?
1: That's a good question. I would say over 100. Are you kidding me? Or 100. Maybe about 100. Maybe less than 100. Holy shit. I would like to note that my perception for numbers is just awful, (laughs) but that... I feel like that's that not a crazy floor is number. What? Floor is... No, just, the, just bottom the bottom floor. floor. It's the bottom floor. And then the that's the, really the right. top floor is smaller. So that's, that's so, so funny. Awesome like my
0: club is, I've, okay, so it's really funny. Yesterday, uh, my guest that I talked to, um, they were telling me that they work at a club where at most there's ever eight dancers. Wow. And then my club, somewhere in the middle between the two of y'all's, mine is like the we top out around forty dancers. So to imagine dancing with like a hundred dancers, like that's just a whole different
1: vibe. Yeah. How many clients are difficult. there at, typically? There's always way more women than men. Really. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: So it doesn't. now I'm like, wow, if you didn't get a yes in a night, like I would not be surprised if that ratio is like that.
1: Yeah, but that's like what I was saying about confidence. Like it has to be on a whole other level. Like it doesn't, I've also become a cockier person because it's hard to, (laughs) there are certain aspects of myself as a stripper that I wish I could have access more to my day-to-day life and other aspects of being a stripper that I would like to not have, like, the cockiness (laughs) because it definitely throws people off sometimes when I make, like, just really bold statements that are only appropriate in that environment. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, I mean, I totally feel that, like, there's a lot of confidence that I have developed dancing and with handling people and men and negotiating deals that I think would be great civvy knowledge and tools
1: that mm-hmm. I just cannot somehow apply to my civilian life. It's true. The negotiating skills are just on another level. But then if you're sitting like in a room full of other professionals that are not professional strippers, but something else, it's whole other.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's in. just like they don't take your experience with the
1: same gravity as, you know, vanilla jobs. It's it's a u- unique and really a special experience to get to be such a boss. <laughs> Not like so like like we're all Yeah,
0: like, yeah. like
1: we're are literally our own bosses, but you have to be a boss personality-wise. Yeah,
0: definitely. You have to be the boss. That's fun. <laughs> you have to treat I mean it's also like in in clubs like, you know, you're you're entertaining and winning over People who are leaders in their different occupations and stuff yeah. like that, and talking to people who are, you know, in very respected careers like doctors and lawyers and engineers and blah blah blah. Yeah, I have and a like friend. you I'm have sorry. to like be the boss.
1: Yeah, I have a friend who is telling me that whenever she has time with clients, um, she picks their brain about what they do. And she gets, like, financial, um, I'm, I don't know what the phrase would be. She gets lessons in finances for free. She's telling oh, me yeah. that, you know, the advice that they're giving to her for free while she sits in their lap is what they would charge hundreds and hundreds of dollars for yeah, totally. on their own time. And I'm starting my own floral business, getting my oh, wow. florals. congratulations. <laughs> Let me know if you need a bouquet of flowers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And so she was mentioning that just, like, you need that. You have this untapped opportunity of, like, just the wealth of knowledge that they have as professionals in their own right that you can access. Yeah, it's like you get to consult. Yeah, it's free game. And they probably love talking about it to you. Oh, they do? Not a lot of the time they don't. A lot of the Mm time, no. I get a lot of guys who don't want to talk about what they do. I feel like it strokes their ego to not talk about it because it makes them feel important. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I can't talk about what I do. I get that a lot. And they just want me to talk about myself. Yeah. Which I'm Maybe trying they feel to to small at work. Maybe.
0: I mean, it's also like the escape, too. It's like mm-hmm. they want to be off whenever they're off.
1: Yeah. They want to be in my fantasy world, not their Yeah, reality. They They're like, cool, I'm done
0: with work. Why don't we send somebody else to work for me? Yeah. Well it's just Oh, yeah, so I have this chiropractor guy who comes to the club and will help everybody with their spinal alignment and give us all, like, long massages. Like, you can sit on him for an indeterminate amount of time, like 30 minutes, an hour. That's amazing. He will massage away. That's awesome. Yeah, it's really nice to, like, there was one day that I just kept, I kept putting off going to a massage therapist for so long just because it's hard to prioritize my own bodily health sometimes, <laughs> yeah. but uh so then he showed up and he was like giving massages and I was just fully indulged in it. Like it was, I realized like, wow, like I'm in a lot of pain and this is exactly what I need to do, and yeah. I don't have to
1: pay him for it. <laughs> yeah, there's a bouncer at my club that's like that. You can ask him for a massage and he's very talented. <laughs> do you have a routine before you go to work?
0: Oh yeah. Um, So I take the day to just kind of rest typically. I mean, I think it's a little bit different now that um, I'm doing so many things. So, like, sometimes I'll be, like, finishing a task. Like, or I'll run errands all day or I'll hang out with friends or something. But it used to be that I would just stay inside all day so that I don't have to interact with too many people Mm because I get emotionally exhausted. Um, And I just – I'm an introvert, so I need to just – be in silence if I'm going to be like fully extroverted for money and then um I would not eat that much it's like kind of a day of like only liquid foods type thing Mm -hmm. like yogurt smoothie maybe a salad or something if I need like something to chew on and just like resting my body and then um I wear hair so I have like a whole routine of like putting on my hair like clip in ponytails or doing like crochet in styles or things like that um and then makeup and yeah and then um I like listen to a podcast on the way or or another thing that I do is like to focus myself I'm like if I'm feeling depressed I will kind of think about what I'm excited about so that I bring that energy into my interactions so I like I'm like okay so like what's something tomorrow that I'm looking forward to and maybe it's simple it's like I'm gonna have brunch tomorrow (laughs) or maybe it's like I'm excited for this interview tomorrow I'm excited to post the podcast I'm excited to write the story I'm excited to spend time with my sister I don't know so I focus on my energy on that positive thing and then I can bring that kind of ebullience into my interactions with customers because they really feel that energy.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: So it's kind of, it's kind of expensive.
1: <laughs> it should be. I think so. It is definitely emotionally exhausting.
0: Do you have like a post-work kind of self-care routine? Smoke a blunt. Uh, That's yeah. That's the
1: most important part <laughs> of the post-experience. Um <sighs> Uh, Just lie in my bed naked and smoke a blunt. I love it. That's the best for like 24 hours. (laughs) (laughs) Ideally, I don't. I don't usually have the option of having the day free before I work right now. Yeah, because you're in school. Yeah, I like when I've had experiences where like my schedule changes week to week. So there are some days where I have a day free before, and then I just go to work that night. And sometimes I have like things to do the next morning after. Like, so it changes. Mm -hmm. But I try to schedule it so that I have lots of time after work to do absolutely nothing and talk to no one.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there's also just, like, that physical toll that it takes. Definitely. Like, especially dancing because it's, like, it's very high impact and a lot of moving and also heels. Yeah,
1: I actually just got real stripper heels this weekend
0: oh my god you didn't have them before
1: no I was using just heels what and I was fucking up girl (laughs) so tomorrow it's so much better for your body so I didn't my friend who works at the club who he's not a bouncer he just works there I don't know what he does he just works there he helps (laughs) out
0: he's there
1: but he told me that last time yeah he told me that last time I went in and I don't know why it took me those two years and that yeah. one comment to get heels. But I, ha- I have enough cash at home that I was just like, OK, I'm-, I'm getting heels now. Oh, my God. And so this week will be my first time dancing in real stripper heels. So I'm very excited to see if it makes a difference. That's so funny. I'm sure it will.
0: So pleasers are made specifically for dancing. So it's like... The way that it's balanced is like it distributes the pressure on your feet more evenly instead of just putting it all on the ball of your foot and your toes. So it's like a more even step. And it's kind of more like walking in platforms, like flat platforms, and it is in walking like in a stiletto. But it has that effect. And also there's insoles, and it's like just it's just built for being like durable mm-hmm. and and also like the sticky. Um, vinyl and other stuff friction. is made for friction for the pole and mm-hmm. stuff like that. It protects your foot. It's just like there's so many levels so of why it, it is yeah. how it is. Fantastic. Yeah, and God, it was. I, a feed. I know, and it was like designed by the person who did like the design work for Sex in the City. Yeah, really? oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they little... came up with. I know, ah, I needed to, like I a little so like history of
1: pleasers
0: actually. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> Or like, you know how there's, and I follow these art pages on Instagram or like comic pages, like on this day, this comic book character was born. You should do oh, that yeah, like the stripper sure. version, like history facts about strippers and burlesque dancers. Oh, that would be so fun. Yeah. Another thing.
0: Here's more work for Here. you to <laughs> <Yes>. do. <laughs> Selena, would you like more work? <laughs> Why well, yes, I would like to have some more.
1: <laughs> how do
0: you typically approach customers?
1: Very warm, sometimes handsy, sometimes do you, not. Do you like sit on them? Do you, yeah. you like kneel or squat very, beside them? Very flirtatious, yeah. So all of those things, but it depends on it depends on the guy and how drunk I am. <laughs> yeah.
0: Are you normally like a little bit like socially lubricated with alcohol when you're on the job? Yes, yes. I think that that can be easier. Have you ever worked sober? Yes. Is it like how do you compare?
1: Mm. Well, I guess I would only not drink if I felt as good as I do when I'm <laughs> inebriated, which is um, happens. I guess span. I don't know. I'm. I have a lot of joy in my sober life, but I just enjoy drinking. There because I have anxiety. And yeah. I'm sorry. I'm struggling to I guess there's there's probably many answers to this question. I'm struggling to find the most simple and accurate one. But yeah, I'm gonna stop talking. <laughs> no,
0: you're fine and always continue talking. <laughs> um, I mean, I think that it it can be really helpful to have that barrier and the kind of like just mental uh, like upswing that alcohol brings. Yeah. Right? Like the liquid confidence as people say.
1: Yeah. I have to be careful though because I'm definitely sluttier when I'm drunk <laughs> <or> <laughs> the drunker I get. Yeah.
0: Have... So like you're... Like you were talking about earlier in the... Well, I guess it'll probably be a previous episode. <laughs> you were talking about how you had a moment where um, a customer fell in love with you and he wanted to be a regular, but he had his partner and stuff, um, But and you kind of felt like you could have feelings for him, but, you know, you were keeping it very professional. Have you had other experiences of kind of like falling for a customer?
1: Yes, I've definitely had romantic connections with customers. He was the most memorable memorable one because it was the one that almost actually, that I I actually could conceive it bleeding over into my personal life. Um, But he he couldn't afford me was the other reason. (laughs) It's, yeah, he didn't have money. He didn't go to strip clubs. He was there with friends. Oh. And he really couldn't afford me. So
0: wait, did he, but he bought dances with you the first time?
1: He did. And then, so... We were dancing, we started making out, He we stopped dancing because he freaked out. And then I was like, okay, do you want to sit down and talk? And then we were just like sitting for a long time, but I was like, you still need to pay me for my time. He only had $200 and that was the number that I offered. Like I came up with that number and he was like, that's actually the exact amount of money that I have. Um, Well, I'm glad he wasn't coming in totally broke. Yeah. No, he was, like, he was going to get dances. He was not expecting all of that to happen. He was just going to get a couple dances with a girl that he didn't care about, not think about it at all, and that's not how it went at all. No. No. No.
0: Oh, it's really, like, it's wild whenever you like a customer. And then the other thing is, like, and, like, you're totally right. It's, like, you know— a lot, maybe the person that you like can't afford your time.
1: Yeah. I also just am not emotionally available to cater to these men outside of the strip club. <laughs> that is the biggest reason. Yeah. I mm-hmm. don't have regulars because I don't want to talk to them.
0: It's just like additional unpaid time yeah. that you dedicate to sustaining relationships. Like texting is, ex- it's just like so extra. Taking a cute selfie is, is just like, it's, a lot of setup. You need the right lighting. Yeah. You need the right situation. You have to have some makeup on or have your body right. Like you can't just have like gorged yourself on a whole pizza. Exactly.
1: (laughs) Unless they're into that. Unless they're into that. (laughs) I haven't found that guy yet either. (laughs) Have you had any like fetish clients come in? Yes, I had one guy who liked being humiliated. That was my first time doing that. So that was What kind his. of humiliation? He just wanted to be put down. Like, he wanted me to insult him and belittle him, make like, him feel small.
0: Oh, so just like that he was inadequate and it, it wasn't like a small penis
1: humiliation type thing? Um, I think that that was a part of it. He, he just wanted—I just remember him wanting to be put down verbally.
0: Oh yeah, that's. I mean, it's always fun whenever like fetish people come in. They're like kind of a treat because it's like, you know, the typical thing is like you get a guy, you talk, you dance, you ask for the tip, blah. blah, But whenever it's like something special, like I need to suck on the entirety of your foot. (laughs) Oh, I would if there's a guy.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I love, I was about to say that I love the foot fetish guys because I always get a foot massage. It's so great. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Although sometimes it's wild. Like I remember this old black guy had an intense foot fetish and um, he put my whole foot in his mouth and just was like really intense about it. Wow. And I was like very surprised with
1: his vigor. That's amazing.
0: (laughs) Yeah. He was trying to. He was trying to eat me from the feet up.
1: <laughs> wow. What other fetish experiences have you had?
0: Oh, God. Um, so I talked about one about uh, twisting a guy's man titties and making fun of his baby dick. And nice. then um, another one that I had was a guy who was just wanted me to overpower him. He was really into, like, muscle worship, and I'm, like, pretty muscular and generally strong and he just like knew that and he liked my dominance and he wanted me to like wrestle his hands apart and stuff or mm-hmm. like pin him down and like um, he also wanted me to like mush his balls and stuff. So I got to like smash his balls and,
1: um, and, uh, and choke him and whatnot. Were you nervous about really damaging his penis? Not at all. Okay. <laughs> I feel like I would be. I mean, sometimes. I'd like, be nervous. They're so fragile. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like. It's weird. People say, you don't have the balls. Like, they're so fragile. They're, they are. <laughs> so tender.
0: <like>, they're <laughs> very tender. And so it's a treat whenever I get to smush them. I mean, he was like, he was very kind. He's a sweet guy. Like, super dope, nice, office type, married guy his wife doesn't really know about his fetishes and he doesn't intend to like indulge them with her and all, Mm -hmm. but he like wants an outlet for what he wants. So he was super kind, super respectful. Like I love whenever he happens into the club, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm careful. Like I'm not just like, you know, like step on it, like really jump on his nuts. Like (laughs) it's more like I'll, I'll like apply pressure and then I'll ease off and I'll go for more pressure and see if it's okay. Like, I'll check in with him intermittently. Like, and after I'm choking him, I'll, like, choke him for, like, a couple of seconds. And then I'll, like, ease off. And then I'll, like, go back in again and be, like, and then if he needs to, like, he'll, like, tap out if he needs to, so. Okay. He hasn't passed out on me. <laughs> uh, and one guy has passed out on me.
1: What did you do? <laughs> I was I like freaked
0: out a little bit. I was like, don't you fucking fuck with me? Like wake the fuck up right now. <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> and then it was like he was really passed out and I was like, oh like shit, are you okay? <laughs> he was he was really nice about it though. He was just like, man, that was weird. Like it was choking. like a huh? It was from choking. Yeah, it was from choking. Oh shit.
1: He didn't know.
0: He knew. I mean he was he literally grabbed my wrist and pulled them to like, pulled my hand onto his neck and, like, pushed it into his neck so that he couldn't breathe like that. And so, like, it was what he wanted. Right, right. He, like, set it all up. I hadn't, like, initiated the choking. Oh, no, I didn't even know you were choking. I mean, he didn't know his limit. Oh, no, and it was funny because it wasn't for that long. It was just, like, it was just a couple of seconds. It was, like, really short because I was, like, doing it and then easing off, like, taking, like, a minute and then doing it again and easing off because, you know, like, I'm... (laughs) Careful about breath play, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, I guess I just, I just uh, impeded his arteries for a
1: little bit too long. <laughs> Are there a lot of murder cases about um, what's the term?
0: Like Vixiation. Wrongful
1: death with, with kink it's like play. the the accidental ne- ne- negli- negli- negligence 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 distributors get. There's like wrongful death type things that. or yeah, like manslaughter.
0: manslaughter. Okay. I mean...
1: From sex work. It's like accidental stuff. Like, yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, I feel like there's like a million one CSI like episodes about Definitely. like... He went to the dungeon yeah. and never came back. Definitely. <laughs> he died inside of a plastic bag. He was saran wrapped in, in, uh, <laughs> in women's clothing. Semen everywhere. <laughs> Semen everywhere. <laughs> he was covered in his own shit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's just... It's very sensational. But, uh, I mean, death happens in the club. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) I mean, it's, like, it's just crazy to think that, you know, like, you live your life and then all of a sudden you die at the club, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Worth
1: places to
0: go. Yeah. I mean, I just just talking to a couple guests about um, how one of the regulars at the club died right outside of the club. He, like, just got hit by a car. Oh Oh, my God. Yeah. It was like, uh, you know, what a life. <laughs> <laughs> um, so outside of the club, you're a student. Yes. What what do you study? I study
1: horticulture. It's the study of plants. The okay. both the the art of plants in general and maintaining them, but then also the science part, which is the reason why I am explaining this is because people confuse horticulture and botany. Horticulture being um, the non scientific aspect of working and studying plants, and botanical is the scientific Mm. language. I mean, I'm really glad that you specified
0: for everybody. (laughs) Yes. It's like cool that it, I mean, I think I associate people who have a green thumb with being quite nurturing.
1: Yeah. I also, my background is in childcare. Nice. Like, at one point, I was volunteering for this horticulture nonprofit, and then I was babysitting and then I was going to the club after that like in the same day and it was all the same type of work in different forms it's so funny
0: <laughs> I love that
1: are you out to some I'm like casually out like I don't talk about I'm not so candid about it my parents don't know
0: Okay, okay, that's a good bar. My parents don't know.
1: My parents don't know. Do you have they, siblings? Yes, I have a younger brother, and he knows. And But my family knows that I'm into pole dancing. So that's how I've broken that to them and kind of eased them into it is, like, just, like, that kind of lifestyle is that there's a pole in my apartment because, co- coincidentally, my roommate is a dancer as well. <laughs> so she, it's her pole, but I have a street pole in my apartment. Um, so, like, you know, I had to explain that. And again, honesty is a big thing to me. So I don't feel safe being completely candid about it to them, but I want to be as honest, you know, kind of meet them somewhere. And that's where I found it is that I take, I do take pole dancing classes. And so that's what I do. And I'm interested in burlesque, (laughs) but to like, to my peers, I'm open. It's really just my family that's, like my older family um and most other people in like my other professional fields I have told people who I work with that I'm a stripper. Most of my classmates know that I dance. I have a couple coworkers that know that I dance. Um I tell everyone that I date that I dance. Yeah. Is it That was like, a really long answer. No, that's fine.
0: That's fine. I mean, I think it's like because it is such a case-by-case basis yeah. about who you feel comfortable coming yeah. out to. Um Are your parents, like, pretty traditional?
1: In some ways.
0: Or, is he, or, Do you come from a Jewish family? Yes. Okay, yeah.
1: So. Yeah, my family is entirely Jewish. We're Reform Ashkenazi Jews. Um, hey, Ashkenazi. <laughs> is, are I'm, you I'm also? I've got,
0: like, the tiniest Ashkenazi in me. <laughs>
1: nice. 23 in me. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, and my dad, like, I, he, I, he's pretty conservative, like, personality-wise. He's a lot more innocent than I am. That's the struggle. Um, <laughs> my mom, my mom is, like, the cooler one, but she also told me one time we were on the phone, and she was like, you know, like, I'll support whatever you're doing uh, unless you're selling your body. And I was, <gasps> and... I was going to work that night and then literally right after she was like, so what are you doing? And I was like, just speechless. Just I, I was like, nothing. now I have to lie. Yeah. I don't want oh, to, God. but you give me no choice.
0: <laughs> that's so unfortunate. It I mean, is. what, like if you could have a magical wand and tap the situation and have parents respond in a way that's like, loving and nurturing,
1: like, how would that conversation go? I could have that. I don't have a good relationship with my mom, so I'll start there and say that I don't consider to her, her to be a very loving and nurturing person. She's great, but she's not, like, divine feminine goddess mother like that's not her at all it's not the energy that that I come (laughs) from or grew up with at all Um, so but it's definitely something that I'm in I'm in therapy I know I've listened to your podcast on mental health so I, I also want to be candid about the fact that I'm a huge supporter of therapy and it's something that I'm working through now. Oh, yeah, totally.
0: I mean, it's also just, like, an endless process.
1: Yeah, (laughs) but that's, like, something that I'm trying to accept now is that what I want ideally is probably never going to happen, so I'm in the grieving and accepting part of that. Um, I do—like, she does have the capacity to have intelligent conversations, so I hope to one day be in a place to just be able to speak casually about it, but— what i've noticed with my parents and this is probably with a lot of other parents is that they need other people being involved to hold them accountable to be sane and logical and that like they demand and expect honesty but on one-on-one if i'm going to talk to them i don't feel safe like by their response to do so But like if there's other people around or like the information is just out, which is why I'm being honest in this podcast now and taking the risk because it's like that applies the pressure. It's out there. Other people are accepting it. Now what are you going to do? But it's one on one. It's there's no one else to hold them accountable. And you can't be your smart, eloquent self sometimes or like think straight around your family. It's harder to do that. So it's hard for me to get my point across and be smart and intelligent in the way that I could when I feel more comfortable.
0: I mean, it's so easy to kind of regress into those old roles from childhood and those dynamics because it's really been drilled into you and that's, you know, your relationship with them. As an adult, your relationship looks Mm -hmm. totally different. And it's like for us, we're kind of fresh adults. Yeah, It's like 18 years prior to this moment was, you know, everything decided by them and they were the heads of everything. Yeah. I think I think it's really is interesting how you're bringing up that it's so important that they have this kind of external reflective accountability mm-hmm. for how they react and and the way that they manage their own feelings and
1: their reactions so yeah. it doesn't just become a burden to you. Something that really gives me strength is that my oma, my great grandmother, was a showgirl. Oh, I love that. Yeah, and she so like she like ran away. From home when she was 16 to go dance in Prague like her like her mom received a cable in Germany and she like got on a train and dragged her back and like she was a rebel she was a free spirit and I connect with her on a spiritual level very deeply and so having that in my family um, and in my family history is really important to me like my grandfather he you know when my grandmother was working when they came to America, they came during World War II, like the beginning of the Holocaust. Um, and so she had to keep my grandfather like safe and with her. And so while she was working, he would be... Like in the the back room, helping strippers sew on their sequins for their costumes. My
0: fucking god! Yeah, so this is so precious. Yeah,
1: it's it's a precious memory that I have of something I didn't experience. But again, storytelling it's very important. So in your jeans a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I have. I'll show you photos after. I think you would uh, appreciate yeah, I can't them. Wait. I'm so excited.
0: Oh my god, that's so sweet.
1: But that's like when I do have an opportunity, or like it's just the timing is right for me to be completely open about it. That's something that I keep in mind is like preparing for criticism. Criticism is that it is in my blood, yeah, to be this free-spirited person and to be a sexual person, to have sexuality yeah, and to not hard. want to repress it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> so it's whole great. Phrase like sell your body. Like as soon as you said that, I thought. <clears throat> but how wrong that is. Yeah. It's like a weird societal thing that we hear we repeat. Yeah. And like many people sell their bodies in different manual ways. Yeah, like I, nine to five. Yeah, <laughs> I, I sell my body by doing like a lot of manual work and injuring my back and continuing mm-hmm. to work through it. And so like what are we really judging here? You yeah. Know? And we're looking at it wrong. So the whole holding them or asking society to hold them accountable I think it's really wise and beautiful. I never thought about that Thank before. Thank you it has what it's what I've relied on it's like how I've gotten through it's how I got through my home life because if your parents are so stressed out that they can't think straight then you need other sane adults around you to keep your parents in line 100 because they can't they don't respect you enough as a person to allow them to do to you to do for you to do it even if you know and even if you're right and even if you are intelligent enough to express it.
0: Even if they acknowledge that you're intelligent and they know that you know and they know that you're maybe the brightest kid, you know, like, they're still not going to yeah respect you when it comes down to it whenever they're stressed and in that situation. Like, yeah. That's how it is. Yep. Yeah. Well, time for some rapid-fire questions. Okay. All right. What's your favorite kind of pleaser? So...
1: The shoes, right? Yeah. Okay, the ones that I got, which I'm going to say they're my favorite because they're the ones I chose, my first ones, are the clear ones, but they have rhinestones on them, so they're okay. sparkly. Okay, yeah. cute. And they're sparkles. Yes. Um,
0: I guess you're not a pole dancer yet.
1: Not yet, but what's the question? I was like, are
0: you a pole dancer or a floor work gal?
1: Both. I want to be versatile as fuck. Hell yeah. How often do you wash your stripper clothes? It depends on if I. I so I'm like kind of sloppy. So like if I, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I get I'm prone to stains. <laughs> Obviously, my underwear gets washed after one use, and um, unless someone with a fetish had a special request, but that has never yeah. happened before. But I'm flexible. I'm waiting for it to happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess that with the outfits, every couple weeks. Okay, so that's gotcha. when I do laundry. Um.
0: Do you have a work wife?
1: Yes. But again, I'm inconsistent and so are they.
0: Okay. Well, who's your work wife?
1: She. A stripper name. She uses her real name because, oh. yeah, her. This is her, wild. her performance name is what she goes by on the daily. Okay. So her real name is less, far less known than her performance name. Gotcha. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, you have a stripper wife. What's the most money you've ever made in a night?
1: I think 1300 Nice. Somewhere between 1100 and 1300 Yeah. Hypothetically, if you had a daughter or son who wanted to be a stripper,
0: would you support their decision? Absolutely.
1: I think the thing that I would struggle with the most is not putting my experience on them and, like, removing myself, like, creating distance, being supportive, but not, like, trying to make it my own thing. Yeah, yeah, I like
0: that. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Normally, I don't advertise real things, but this time I wanted to actually ask y'all to do a little something for me. I've started writing erotica, full disclosure, and would love to share it with you. But in return, I'd love for y'all to send me some of the smut you've written. And also, you could definitely write me some. We all have nothing but time right now. And I'm sure y'all are all jerking off so much. You could be good, bad, kooky, whatever vibe you're feeling. Send it to me as a Google Doc link at, at gmail.com. I'll put that in the bio in case you want me to spell it out for you. But it's, it's spelled the way that this is spelled, which is to say tricky and hukes in the nukes. For, <laughs> for everybody who reads it as it's spelled. Hukes in the nukes. So, anyway, I'm collecting them for a quarantine smut scene. Um, I mean, let's face it, we're all fucking jerking the lurkin, flicking them beans more than normal because it's one of the few things that feel good at this moment, and I would love to collect it all and make it into something dope we can all share and jerk off to. So here's a taste of one of mine. Peter's eyes widened as his eyebrows drew together and his lips pursed in a sharp inhale, his hips bucked forward dipping deeper into Iz's mouth. His hand ran through her hair. Iz paused with her tongue out, gently lapping at the head of his cock to look at Peter. His eyes were wild, wide open and begging. He tenderly gathered her hair with one hand and held it out of the way. Iz smiled internally. It was an intimate gesture. Was this something more? She took her time, feeling the shaft in her mouth, lapping at his balls, drawing circles with their tongue around the head. Stop! Peter pulled away and stood up, tugging at his balls, trying to hold back from coming. Iz smirked as he squirmed. Are you sure? Iz teased. Get on all fours. Peter directed. Iz acquiesced and got on her hands and knees. Peter laid a hand on her upper back. Now lower. Iz sensed, Peter kneeling behind her. She shut her eyes, anticipating the cessation of his head butting through her lips, his shaft filling her. Peter placed his hands on her haunches and spread her open. She wanted him. She was ready. But instead of his stiff cock inside of her, a shock rippled through her as Peter's tongue poked into her ass. Iz was paralyzed, overwhelmed by the sensation, embarrassed to have her boss's face buried in her ass. Her nipples rose. She felt goosebumps creep across her body. Her mouth watered. Peter pushed her forward and took one hand from her hip to stroke himself. He placed the flat of his thumb against her asshole and pressed gently, licking and pressing and drawing circles around her anal opening. Is felt dizzy. Peter pressed deeper. Everything was wet. Is opened. Peter extended his finger into her, turning it slowly, hooking it to press into her G-spot. Is inhaled sharply. And that was an excerpt. Anyway, send me your smut, hoeintheno at gmail.com. I love you guys so much. Stay safe. Stay beautiful. Keep on hoeing, okay? All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. For all of your candor and everything. This has been so beautiful. I agree. Um, Where can we find you on
1: social media? That's a good question. Flowers of evil with two underscores in between the three words.
0: So flowers underscore Under, of underscore
1: evil? Yes, but two underscores oh. at a time. So it's flowers underscore underscore of underscore underscore evil. Awesome.
0: So I will post that in the bio anywhere else we can find you or any events you want to plug? No, but I would
1: like to plug my floral design business, Getting Please. By Florals. And getting By Florals? Getting By yeah, like I'm getting by. Do you have a <laughs> dot com? I don't have a dot com, but I have an Instagram handle for that as well, which is getting by period florals. Perfect. Um,
0: Nikki, you want to plug anything?
1: Sure. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. I'm at NIM.MIM. Cute. Should try saying it out loud. Nimm My initials. And you can find my website. I'm Nikki-Murphy.com. Nikki N I K I.
0: Beautiful. I am Selena Mostrope. You can find me on Instagram at Pretty Boy Girl. You can support this project via Patreon at The Real Pretty Boy Girl. You can email us at hoeandtheno at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram at Know as well. I think that's it. All right. Well, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of How in the Know. Have a wonderful. Day when you listen to this. <laughs> well, bye bye. Bye. <laughs> Mom money, I want your money, I want more money.